curious about what's going on in the world of batteries and where battery technology is at, then make sure you listen to this entire episode because we are talking with battery industry expert Aldo Grech. He is also the inventor of a revolutionary technology in X-Blade, a modular battery system that can scale up to meet any need. So the future of batteries for large-scale applications and transportation and other industries may just be modular. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. So Aldo, tell us about Voltwall and what you guys do. Yes, Voltwall is a company that started off as a hobby in my garage. I just found out recently, that was nine years ago, that I wanted to build my EV. And so in those days, nobody really knew who Tesla was or that you could have a car that drives an electric. And so I was certainly ridiculed by many of my friends. They thought I was taking a car and making it a golf car. And 18 months later, and in those days... You know, there were no kits. There was nothing available. So I bought an electric motor from the U.S. and a controller from somewhere else. And I had to manufacture a lot of parts. I got the batteries from somewhere else. And anyway, with lots of help from lots of friends, I built my dream car. When I was a child, I had those racetrack cars that I used to race around. And I always thought, when I looked under, I thought, wow, these are very simple and they go so fast. Why is a car so complicated? So eventually I decided to build my own slot car. So that's how it started. It so happened that when I finished building my car, it was the beginning of lithium ion storage. There was a power wall launched by Tesla in those days. And I thought to myself, having a background in business and being very involved in the early start of the PC industry, I thought this is going to be the same thing. It's going to accelerate. It's going to grow. I could see immediately that this was where the future was heading. And I also realized that I had everything I needed under the bonnet of my car, of my electric car. And so I took that, put it in a box, started talking to friends and did a lot of tours, talking to a lot of photovoltaic installers. And they liked what I was doing. There was nothing really different from what others were doing. But I started getting feedback like, we don't like that when we have to install these things, they weigh a ton, they are very difficult. I could do the installation on my own, but because it's so heavy, it has to be four of us, it's a waste of time. And people tell us they're worried about fire, and people tell us that they want to maybe start smaller and then grow later. What was available on the market was we had to get 13.5 kilowatt hours or that's it, you couldn't get anything smaller. And so I decided, talking to them, we came up with the concept of a modular, a modular system that also is very safe and long life. And we did a number of things to make it safe and long life. We immediately, we're talking about five years ago, decided to go with lithium-ion phosphate, which is much lower fire risk than standard lithium-ion cells. And also it's three times the life cycle. So lithium-ion phosphate lasts three times more in its natural state. We then added our technology on top of that, which is liquid thermal management. So the cells in every module is actually flooded in this inert liquid, which we use one 
to lower the fire risk because there's no oxygen, there's no air in surrounding the cells. And also we use a circulation process with natural and then active forced circulation to make sure that the temperature inside this module remains always at optimal level. And so that's how we came up with the X-Blade, which is here, by the way. This is the X-Blade here. Sweet. As you can see, I can lift it, I can hold mm -hmm. it. It's 1.2 kilowatt hours, and it is designed so that you can have as many of them connected as you want. And so you can start with a small one of these, or you can stack them up on top of each other, and then a body can carry them and install them. But once they are stacked, obviously they weigh more or less like any other energy storage system, but it's easier to install, it's easier to set up, it's easier to grow. You've got redundancy, so... If one breaks down, the system keeps going, you just replace that unit. That's, in a nutshell, the background of how we're here talking today. That's great. And your individual X-Blades, they can talk to each other too, right? Yes. So we've got a central computer. It's actually a Raspberry Pi that communicates with all the X-Blades in a setup, whether it is a setup of 5 kilowatt hours or 500 kilowatt hours. We've got a centralized Raspberry Pi that then talks directly with the inverter. As every setup, you have to have an inverter. And so what it does, it's collecting information from each and every one, and it's then mimicking a battery and because the inverter needs to know there is a battery connected so we use the raspberry pi to mimic a, a battery to the inverter and at the same time to a cell level not to an x-blade level there are 80 cells inside every x-blade to a cell level we know exactly what's happening from remotely and so if there is an issue we probably know about it before anybody is aware that there is a problem and it's managed remotely and so let's say as the Raspberry Pi is monitoring each of the cells, have you found some of what happens when a trigger event say, oh, like when this happens, the battery is going to die out or the battery is going to be defective in so long? Or is it, oh, if this cell is not working, let's go check that cell out? Obviously, we've got a algorithm that manages everything. So within parameters, for example, if somebody goes and pulls one of these out or one of them stops working or we close it because there is a problem with it, then the Raspberry Pi and the algorithm automatically configure themselves to tell the inverter that there is less power now available. And so it's doing that autonomously. But yes, we do come across situations where we haven't pre-identified the problem. And so we need to download a new version of software that also looks after that new issue that we have discovered. So we're monitoring them. In most cases, it's rare that you have to have a cell issue to have a critical event happen because these are stationary units. They are being used normally for energy storage inside a building or in a house or in a battery farm or something like that. So usually there's no environmental impact on them. So something has to actually happen within the cell for something to go wrong. And this one of the you had for me was why lithium? And that is a whole subject on its own. For example, why not hydrogen? I am known as a hydrogen basher, so you won't get any oh. kind words about hydrogen from me. But what people don't really realize, because energy storage and electric cars and what have you, they're all something that have happened in the conscious mind in the last six years. Although really electric cars are 100 plus years old, but only recently we started getting back into that. So people think it's new technology. So if this is new technology and we're also experimenting with hydrogen, how do I choose? 
if there are two new technologies, how do I choose? That is not true. We all have been using lithium cells for 30 years because lithium cells is what we use in our laptops and in our mobile phones, in most cases. And so if you want proven technology, you go to lithium. Everything else that's being offered out there is truly new, is truly experiment. And if you take it on, you're a guinea pig but not with lithium cells. I come from the IT industry. Before I got into this industry, I spent my career of about 40 years in the IT industry. I know how long we've been using laptops and I know the early batteries and how they improved over time. So today, the only real stable technology is lithium cells for storage and for cars and what have you. Hydrogen is a totally different other story. I call it the hydrogen rainbow hoax. So people write articles about hydrogen this and hydrogen that and it's renewable and it's good for the environment and it produces water and it blah 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 and i say which hydrogen are you talking about because no articles you read about how great hydrogen is tells you what color it is and there are like seven different colors of hydrogen and hydrogen is transparent but they have codified it as different colors and the different colors indicate the level of dirtiness of hydrogen and so Yes, there is green hydrogen, but how do we know that it's green? Today, there is only up to 4% of hydrogen that we produce in the world is green. And some say it's 0.4%, but I've read somewhere that it's up to 4%. So 4% is green. There is no certification that tells us that they used electrolysis from renewable sources. Don't know that. We are trusting that's the case. But then the rest of it, 96%, is what I call fossil fuel greenwashing. And so what you do is you use fossil fuels with 75% efficiency to produce hydrogen. And that's, I'm being very generous when I say 75, to then go and put it in these high pressure cylinders, because obviously it has to be liquefied, otherwise you cannot transport it. And then you've got the cost of transportation. And to me, hydrogen is the biggest sin of our decade because all governments are throwing money hands over fist into it. And then in Europe, we've got the European Union that has classified natural gas as a renewable. Now, just because it's called natural, it doesn't mean it's renewable. You still have to dig it out and once you use it, it's gone. And so now there is this fallacy going on in Europe that natural gas hydrogen is a renewable. No, it's not by any stretch of the imagination. And we can have another session on hydrogen if you want. Yeah, totally anti-hydrogen. Not because hydrogen could not be a solution. Not because hydrogen does not have a place. It does. But I do not trust the people that have been lying to us since the 60s about what we're doing to the environment. Now they're going to be responsible to tell us what color their hydrogen is. That's a hard thing to trust. We need to get some verified certificates through blockchain to be able to say, okay, this came from renewable energy sources. That's how they sourced it. They can prove that track line. That'd be a good way to verify. And you'd feel a lot better about that, I'm sure. Yeah. I would, although the problem becomes then who's lobbying and who's in power and how did they get into power? Were they paid by the fossil fuel industry? When it has to do with lots of checks and balances, you get into very obscure areas. But yes, before the money is invested by governments, which is too late because the horse has bolted, we should be checking. In an article, whenever I read hydrogen, the first thing I go is look for 
what is the source of that hydrogen? And I never find it in any article. Yeah, they really need to say what color it is for sure. But what about for like lithium? We have to go mine the lithium resource out there and there's only a limited amount of lithium out there. What do you see as a future for that, for lithium? Yeah, there's a couple of answers to that, maybe three answers to that. First thing is that people talk about nickel and cobalt, and that's mostly produced by slavery and what have you. That is true, except... There is a big move away from that type of lithium cells to the lithium iron phosphate cells, which is what we use at Voltwall. And that was just iron. It's just lithium iron phosphate. So it's readily available. It's iron. Secondly, lithium is very readily available. And lithium is 100% recyclable. And so these lithium cells, in fact, the guy from Tesla, I can't remember his name, that was like the number two to Elon Musk, about two years ago, he resigned from Tesla and went and is in Nevada setting up a lithium cell recycling factory. Because that's the future. It's almost 100% recyclable. And I was watching a, a video by somebody that specializes in metals and mineral usage. And he reckons that by 2040, we would have an extracted enough lithium so that we can recycle and never need to extract again. So we'll have enough going around, which is not the same with hydrogen, fossil produced hydrogen or fossil fuels. Once you burn them, they are gone and they create a lot of damage. Do we need to mine or extract? Yes, we do. But there is a horizon that's very close to us where we should be self-sufficient if we do the right thing. And we will, because it's lucrative. You can make a lot of money recycling these cells. But there is a third aspect to it. So the first one was, let's use lithium ion phosphate instead of lithium ion cells. The second thing is, let's recycle. The third thing is, Sodium. That's something I'm following very closely. The development in the kitchen. The kitchen because it's salt. Jokingly say in the kitchen. Salt had a big problem because they've been trying to use salt for a long time. Now. It has a life cycle problem. So you make cells out of lithium and it's a very short life. Since 2022, they've worked a lot on that area of it. And in fact, just four months ago, KTEL, a major lithium ion cell producer in China, has launched the sodium cells. And they reckon that within 12 months, they'll be used in cars. Now, if we get to the stage where sodium is being utilized, well, there's no shortage of sodium. It would bring the cost significantly. So the cost of a cell would become a fraction of what it is today. Now, that's revolutionary, in my opinion. And that's right here and now. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So the industry is the same. You still use the same production techniques that you use for lithium cells. There's, it's nothing different. Instead of lithium, you use sodium. Now, that makes sense. You spend 30 years learning how to make something. Now you've got a chemistry that is more readily available, cheaper. They found a way to make it longer life as well. If it works in a car, it will work in any application because the car is the most tough environment for these cells. And yes, I think there is evolution and we have to look at the future. And I think the immediate future is sodium. Are there other technologies and techniques in the lab? There are many. There will be many options to choose from in the future, but I think the closest is sodium, in my opinion. And I'd like to circle back. We got a little sidetracked with lithium and hydrogen and all that, but... Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. I can see you're passionate about it, so it's good. With the X-Blade, what applications do you see for your modular batteries? And let's start off, where are you currently in terms of applications and where do you hope to go? Okay, so the product now is in what I call pre-production stage. So we've got units 
installed in pilot sites where they've been working for the last seven months. And we are now going through the process of industrialization and certification. We've learned a lot from the process of producing these. They are currently hand-produced, but once we industrialize them, they will be built through a proper assembly process, and we will bring down the time of assembly from what it is now to a third of what it is now, so it will also become profitable for us to make them. The reason I'm saying all this is that we've learned a lot, and one of the things that we have found we can do is we can actually make them even lighter. Today, they are 20 kilos. So we'll make them a bit smaller and a bit lighter than what they are today. That will bring us to the achievement of a dream that I have for the future. And I'll talk about that in a second. So today, the application for the X-Blade and the X-Blade in the inception of it, talking to the installers, what we realized is that if you have a module so small and you build like we have with this redundancy in mind and remote management and what have you, then you can use it for residential purposes, as well as you can use it for industrial purposes. And for example, one of our pilot sites is actually an energy company that's using the product for peak shaving, whereas another site is a friend's house. The key difference, for example, is the house is running on an inverter at 48 volts, whereas the industrial ones are installed with three inverters running at 550 volt each. And so the same unit, the same X-Blade, whether it's connected in parallel or in series, controlled by our central processor, we can apply it and it's the same one. So it's not a modified version. You know, one that I've been using for a home, for a residential use, I can take it out and plug it in and use it for an industrial use. We don't have to change anything inside the unit. In fact, I'll show you. So these slide into a housing, I see the background is getting all and this is you can't quite see it but there are two connectors there there's a gray electrical connector and then on top of it there is a circular connector and they are designed specifically to slide in the circular connector is a magnetic connector that actually is the data connector and so it just clicks and then it sends us data upstream and so as soon as they are plugged in we know which x blade it is we know which system it went into and we know exactly how it's performing. And we've given an even more flexible solution to our installers. Because in any case, whatever energy storage system you buy, you still have to go to the installer to have it installed because you're connecting to the grid and nobody allows you to connect anything to the grid. Of course, you can use it in off-grid application as well. In fact, we tested it. We haven't got it there, but we tested it in an off-grid environment where there was the solar panels, our battery, and the generator, and the three of them work together to keep the power happening. But the reason I was telling you before about weight reduction and what have you is that one of the original concepts that we came up with as a result of it being modular, which was an afterthought, is that the future of electric cars is very different to what we're used to. There is a whole segment that's growing very rapidly which some refer to as NEVs, Neighborhood Electric Vehicle. There are many names that they give them, but basically they're like a two-seater or maybe a small four-seater, normally a two-seater, that are used to go to do the shopping. And in most countries, you don't even need a license to drive them. We just have to be over a certain age, as long as they don't go over a certain speed. The problem with them is most of these people that use them live in apartments. They probably don't have a garage. And so when they park the car, how do they charge it? Do you throw the electrical cable from the balcony and you connect the car to it, how do you charge it? Whereas if you've got 
three or four of these inside your little electric vehicle, you can just charge it at home. You can just pull it out and charge it at home and, and off you go. And so by making it a bit lighter and a bit smaller, it will be much more convenient for anybody. Anybody can carry an overhead bag for an aircraft or something like that. So if we can get it close to that sort of way, anybody will be able to, we call it rapid charge their vehicle rather than recharge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw one video of somebody, a similar idea where they had a little scooter and they took the battery pack out of their scooter, plugged it into the wall, and then took a new one out and plugged it into their scooter and away they went. Exactly. As simple that, as that. That's the idea. That's the idea. <laughs> yeah. And in, in small motorcycles and bicycles, you can do it, but those are too small, those batteries, for the application of a car. Whereas with something like this that has 1.2 kilowatt hours, it's quite, you've got four of these and you don't have to charge them all. As long as you have a couple of them charged, it could give you 60, 80 kilometer range. You're using it to go shopping. It's not a problem. Yeah, definitely. And with the way battery technology has definitely been increasing exponentially in recent years, how do you guys keep up? with all the new innovations and things that come with the new technology as you're going along? When I'm not playing with batteries, I'm mostly online doing research, reading and learning and watching videos. And so does my team. We're all crazy passionate about what we're doing. You don't do this for money. In the long term, I hope we will. But in the short term, you're doing it because you're passionate about the technology, you're passionate about transport, you're passionate about the environment. And for me, it's all come together. All those various aspects of who I am come together in the vault wall. The vault wall is the vehicle for me to realize more of my dreams. And so we, I'll speak for myself because everybody does their own thing. I go to clubs where we talk about electric cars. And there are a few channels on YouTube that I follow. There are some great people talking about technology like Monroe and Associates who tear apart vehicles and work out what's happening with the latest cells from Tesla and what the evolution is. I follow other more scientific videos and papers. They talk about the chemistry and where it's going. And that's a very important thing for us. And again, one of the reasons why it makes sense to have this x is that we can continue to enhance it internally, still have the same interface, and maybe in the future, as the energy becomes more dense, we could have two kilowatt hours inside this, or three, depending on where things go. And so the module still remains the same, but we'll be able, through our software, to read which one of the X-blades a customer might have with which chemistry, and then we know exactly what it is that we need to enhance. Maybe in the future, we can have a lease model or a rental model where people can always stay with the latest technology. We just replace their X-blades as the new technology comes along. There is a lot of models that we have thought of, business models that we have thought of for this product. Most of the time, you install these energy storage systems. And as I said, they weigh a ton and they are more or less a custom installation. And so it's not easy to retrofit. It's not easy to retro upgrade these things. Whereas when you have a module, you just pull one in, you put the other one in and you've upgraded basically. Yeah, it's a quick upgrade. That's great. And where do you see Volvo going over the next six months or so? Within the next 12 months, hopefully we will have a assembly plan somewhere in New York state. I say 12 months because... We need six months to get certification and everything organized now. And so in the next six months, we will industrialize and certify the product. And then at the same time, we will be looking at what we're going to do for a site and for funding. We've got a funding campaign 
running at the moment with Raise Green, where we're hoping to raise 1.2 million that we'll use specifically for certification, industrialization, and assembly. The assembly plant won't cost us that much because we're at the end of the cycle. We get the cells already. We've also got discussion, which we've been talking to these guys for the last three years, also in New York, a battery manufacturer. And so we'll have the cells coming from somebody in New York who might even co-locate or find our own site. And so we then basically test, assemble, charge, discharge in various environments, cold environments, warm environments, check that the product is certified and out it goes into the field. And our focus now is rolling out, basically. These are the last three steps before rollout. And the thing is that we live in a point in time, a very lucky point in time. Today, the demand is there. We don't have to go knocking on doors to get the orders. All we have to do is call a few of our friends, installers, and they all say to us, how many you've got, give them to me, because there is not enough energy storage systems out there. And so we live in a time where we know that the product has a market waiting for it. We just have to speed up the process of getting the product into the market post prototype. And where do you see energy storage going as a whole in terms of the market and the industry in the next couple of years or so? It's anybody's guess as to how quickly it will grow. But it's certainly exponential. Now, the degree of exponentiality, I don't know. Tesla just announced they're extending the Texas Gigafactory where they are building the Cybertruck. And they're also going to be building their power pack there. And I think they are forecasting some gigawatt of energy coming out of there every year or something. I've got industry forecasts. And the industry forecasts say that the energy storage will be 15 billion US dollars by 2027. When you hear Tesla, they're going to surpass that on their own. So I think somebody is under or over forecasting. But in any (laughs) case, whichever way it goes, it's massive. And I keep drawing parallels with the PC industry because I was young and involved in the PC industry. So I know it very well. And I remember that's exactly what was happening. If you could build a PC, you would sell it. It doesn't matter. In those days, there was Hewlett Packard, IBM, Compaq, Packard Bell, Dell, but it didn't matter. If you made a thousand, they would buy them. If you made a million, they would buy it. It was like, you could not get enough of these things. And we're seeing the same thing happening in this space. So for us, it will certainly be a small percentage of that market that we require, like a micro percentage that we require to overachieve our results over the next four years. Because in four years time, we expect to do a major event like an exit or an IPO. And by that stage, we'll probably be between between 200 and 500 million company. And so we will need to then raise because we want to bring recycling in-house. We want to do all sorts of things. When it happens, it will depend very much on where the industry is at because normally the consolidation starts and the energy companies start looking back, realizing this is something they should have done themselves. And we would be prime for like what happened with the internet from service providers, then the telecoms came in, like what happened with just about every industry. It always starts on the outside and then they bring it in. We don't know the future, but in four years, we'll have a major event of some sort for Vault World. If anybody wants to reach out to you and get in touch with you, how do they get in touch? Aldo 
at vaultwall.com or vaultwall.com. Or if you just search Aldo Grek, you will certainly find me. We've won awards for a company that's quite small. We've got an unfair amount of coverage. If you enjoyed this interview with Aldo Grek and Voltwall and how they have designed a modular battery that has all sorts of applications, then I invite you to check out this interview with Green Island EV. They are building a factory in New York to manufacture micro transit electric vehicles like school buses and last mile delivery vehicles. So make sure you check out this interview with Green Island EV. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in launching your own podcast to make an even larger impact on the world, then look no farther than the podcasting platform that I use here to launch every single episode of Green Business Impact, Podbean. I searched through all the different podcasting platforms out there and the best choice by far was Podbean. They give you truly the best value and all the resources you need to spread your message to the world by easily connecting you to all the different podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them. And they give you so many resources and opportunities to monetize it as well. So if you are on the fence about which podcasting platform to go with, make sure you check out the link in the description below to register your podcast with Podbean. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.